Hi, I'm Batsheva Frankel from Overthrowing Education, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Dr. Sabrina J. Ellis, author of the book, Wife Life, Securing Your Future. Awesome talk. You will learn why it is important to take time to be financially literate. Such important information to know. Thanks for listening. And by the way, it'd be so cool if you would uh, take time to recommend the podcast to your friends, your colleagues, your family members. That's right. Just say, hey, have you listened to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 yet? Hmm? You should. (laughs) That'd be so cool if you do that for me. Thanks so much. Enjoy the show. The intro and outro were created and performed by Brian K. Buffington. You can find more about Brian at briankbuffington.com. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for his newsletter. Thanks, Brian. Cool, huh? It's the Education Podcast, your favorite show. With lots of groovy guests and they share what they know. So crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know that here's another show with Dr. Steve Milletto. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Ah, ah, with Dr. Steve Milletto. After receiving the prestigious 2016 President Barack Obama's Lifetime Achievement Award, Dr. Sabrina J. Ellis became the Chief Visionary Officer of Free to Thrive, which was developed to challenge the leader within for positive transformations without. Free to Thrive focuses on guiding organizations through meaningful change for the greatest impact to employee satisfaction, improved leadership, better resource and financial management, and heighten awareness for the best customer service. As part of this initiative, she established the Recherche Mentoring Program to influence the lives of adolescent females to reach their potential through philosophical approaches to mental, physical, and spiritual change. Dr. Ellis, the author of three books, is a proven organizational development and leadership transformation change agent for corporations and not-for-profit organizations, as well as individuals who desire personal growth coaching. Dr. Ellis, a John Maxwell certified coach, is highly regarded. She has served as an executive pastor and a senior pastor for more than 20 years. Dr. Ellis has served as chaplain for the Western Reserve Section of the National Council of Negro Women and the Cleveland Chapter of Top Ladies of Distinction. These experiences led her to form Living and Victory Ministries Incorporated to impart this knowledge to women to enhance their emotional development through spiritual awakening. She authored the following books, And the Women Came First, The Advancement of Renewal in the African-American Pentecostal Church, and Wife Life, Securing Your Future. She is also the editor of a book of women's testimonies entitled, And They Overcame. A native of Ohio, she is a graduate of Notre Dame College of Cleveland, where she earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in psychology. She also earned a Master of Divinity degree from Ashland Theological Seminary with an emphasis in clinical pastoral counseling. Dr. Ellis earned a Doctor of Ministry degree in transformational leadership as well. She has served as a keynote speaker for several conferences and organizations, including the Black Women's Political Action Committee's 31st Annual Fundraiser in Cleveland, and has served as host on Total Christian Television, TCT, a network with over 70 million viewers. She resides in Dallas, Texas. For more information, please consult sabrinajellis.com, and I'll have that link in the show notes. Uh, Our focus today will be the content of her book, Wife Life, Securing Your Future. Dr. Ellis, thanks for joining me today and say hi to everyone. Hello, and thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this time with you. Well, it's great to have you here, and I've been looking forward to this too, and uh, this is so cool. I, I, and Dr. Ellis, the information that you cover in, in your book, Wife Life, Securing Your Future, is so important for, I mean, just, <laughs> I cannot tell you enough. In my, in my career field, just the number of people I've run into who, who struggle in this area, and it, it's just so needed um, to know that someone is out there helping people um, develop everything from financial literacy to just the idea of uh, how do I plan for my future and so forth like this. Um, so let's start by talking about what inspired you to write Wife Life, uh, Securing the Future. Uh, I mean, it's a book that is meant to help women avoid going broke if their life suddenly took a drastic turn. Absolutely. Um, uh, It it started with my uh, teenage years, very honestly, when my parents divorced. Um, I talk a lot in the book about uh, the death of a spouse, but I think um, the the trauma is 
is equal to divorce. And that is where it started for me, what my mom experienced and how her life changed so drastically, lifestyle, everything, uh, when my father decided to walk away. And then over time, as I um, grew older, became an adult, within our context, which at the time was very much the church, I watched a lot of pastors' wives end up in a totally different situation uh, when their husbands passed away. And it was just a matter of time that you could see that their lifestyle had changed drastically financially. Um, and there was really no help. There was really not a lot of people coming to their rescue. So it impacted me over time. And then a few years ago, it was closer to home with a friend, of uh, my husband who passed away and his wife became absolutely destitute. I mean, it was unbelievable. And at that point, I started thinking, I said, I know everybody is saying, what a shame, what a shame. This is awful. You know, somebody should be doing something. And I'm like, okay, but women, how long will it take for you to see the same thing happening over and over to other women before you realize maybe I should do something for myself. So that that's basically how it came about just to, to bring awareness to the issue in hopes that women would, would start to prepare for the inevitable um, and men as well, but certainly women because they have less of an opportunity to start again, practically starting all over actually. Gotcha. And then, you know, this is such uh, needed information. I mean, because it, it's, you see it happen with people. I mean, I, I got to tell you, I mean, I've been married for 35 years. I don't know. I mean, it would rip my my world asunder if uh, if we went our separate ways or if uh, one of us passed. Uh, well, definitely would change my life if I passed away. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I, so I just say, tell you something that you, I don't, that you may not know uh, on the front end is the book was written in 2019. It was to launch at the top of 2020, but of course COVID hit by the end of 2020, I became that widow. My husband passed away in September of 2020. And so now I get to feel or experience what widows experience. Now I'm trying to avoid the poverty piece. And, and I th I'm thankful that there were many things that I was um, aware of and able to do prior to his demise, but I had no idea that I would end up a widow by the end of 2020. I'm sorry for your loss, and I can only imagine because that's something that uh, um, I mentioned before when we were recording, and uh, that uh, I had a life health situation take place this year where right. I wondered if uh, um, one, if I would come out of it, two, if I would ever be able to go to work again, and yeah, you know, yeah, it, it's just uh, it's just amazing when things like that happen, and so your focus on being able to have some sort of future planning. Um, so that if something were to happen, you can come out of it and be able right. to, to deal with the bills and, and, uh, and, uh, get your life back on track. And, it, and, and one of the things I wanted to ask you is, uh, I mean, so can you talk a little bit about, uh, this whole idea that maybe even when you're thinking about getting married, that a single woman should include financial planning as part of premarital counseling? Absolutely. I believe that. Um, I, I think too often that we have young couples um, and maybe not just young couples that are so caught up with the idea of being married and and the excitement and all of the frills that go with it that they don't think. And this is not everybody, but I think it's too many that don't think about the financial planning and what that will look like for them as a couple and all the way to the end, the vows include until death do us part. So what does that look like? And I think if it was part of premarital counseling, it would be a good thing. It would be a great thing. Just basic financial literacy would be a major um, game changer. I think for many couples, 
That's that's it's so spot on. I mean, you know what's interesting is like uh, I do have to say this when I was uh, when my wife and I got married before we got married the uh, um, the priest at the church where we were getting married he said uh, he said now I do counseling and so you have to complete my counseling so you can't just like get married tomorrow if you want me to marry you because we're going to we're gonna have several meetings and uh, I have to say this because one of the meetings I'll never some of the meetings I don't remember but. <laughs> Two of the meetings I remember very well, and and one was about understanding that when you put two people together, they have to give and take. And he and he he said, for example, he was very tall. He was like six four, six five, and his wife was very short. And he said she leaves the cabinets open all the time. And she goes, I he says I walk into them, you know. And and he said that drives me nuts. But and he said I always would leave the cap off the toothpaste, and she'd put it back on. And and uh, he said as crazy as that sounds, he said, those things will end marriages. And he spent a lot of time about that. Well, the other thing that he talked to us about, like I said, I don't remember some of the other meetings, but the two that I remember is that one. And then this one, which was, he talked about combining, how are you going to deal with your money? He said, are you going to put it together and have one checkbook? Is one person going to deal with paying the bills? I mean, how are you going to do this? And, you know, and it's funny because like us, we were in our young twenties um, and, uh, so you don't really think about stuff like that. And, right. Uh, right. And so right. I, you just want to be together yeah. and you don't understand what together really means. Not at all. You don't understand any of that. And right. And, right. Which, you know, unfortunately is what drives some of the stats up about people then deciding to end the marriage. It's like, really, you know, it's just, you, you do have arguments and things like that. It's, yeah, of course. And no matter how much time you spend together prior to getting married, you still don't know what it's like to be married and live together. So right. So right. <laughs> this, you know, it, if nothing else, all you got to do is bring the, the TV changer into that. All right. It's like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. And these are what it, it seem like small things, but these are the things that can start the biggest arguments. You got that right. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> and I, and I think that's why it's so important what you're talking about. Cause it, it, you know, it should be in that premarital counseling because I believe it, it should, it can start the biggest arguments. It can, it that lead to just non, you know, separating or divorcing or, you know, moving on. And, it's crazy, but I just, I, all this stuff comes to mind is reading your words. And it's like, this is, I think a lot of people need to be reading <laughs> your book. So, um, so let's talk about some of the financial issues that women need to, to know about in case there was a divorce or death of their spouse. So what are some of those that you're thinking about? Well, again, uh, the basic, um, the basics of financial literacy, understanding, um, budgeting, saving, investing, all of those things. Now, I am not a financial guru, but I spent enough time um, with uh, financial counselors because I wanted to learn more and I wanted to do better in my own personal life and marriage. And so everything that I would learn, I would really take it in. And then I kept having events where I can invite these individuals because I felt like, no, everybody needs this information. I need, I need people to know, I need young people to get it now so that they don't have to endure some of the things, you know, that either their parents or grandparents endure because of making, you know, bad decisions and choices. So I think that, um, just making sure that you connect with somebody who can help you with the very basic things of, of finances. Um, we, we assume that we know when we don't really know because we will um, make sure we have insurance for these things right here. And don't have insurance on our lives, on our loved ones. Um, so it's about prioritizing or reprioritizing. Um, we talked earlier even about, you know, young people making their shoes that they wear, their sneakers or tennis shoes, whatever they're called nowadays, more important than saving that amount of money in, in a bank account in a savings account. Um, 
or, you know, spending your last to make sure you have things and you're not securing your future or you're not saving for that rainy day or you're not um, investing. And I know a lot of times um, because I did, we think when we hear the word investing, we think, oh, that's for rich people. You got to have a lot of money to invest and you don't, you, you start somewhere, but if you don't know these things, it's better to, to align yourself with individuals who can mentor you, who can teach you, who can train you, who can provide that information for you so that you get on the right track. You're on a road that secures your future. So, so powerful, I, especially because some of it, and today some of it's become a lot easier than it ever was in the past to, to learn a little bit more about it or to do. Yeah, um, because it seemed like it was not accessible. Because literally, I think we all thought it was for the the wealthy or the rich or whatever. And now you can download apps on your phone to buy stock, you know. Um, But whether you now, I don't even understand the stock stock or stock market. And I did it. my, My daughter did it. She's a millennial. And I'm like, oh, okay. well, let me download this app. Let's see what happens. But there are there are so many things available to all of us. There's so much information available right at our fingertips. Go right on YouTube. If you don't want to call somebody, if you don't want to invite anybody into your house, I'm sure that I think you can find anything on YouTube. But the point is. We need to be informed. We need to have the information. We need to turn certain things around. And I think we can do that ourselves. As you know, it, and it's so important because, you know, if we relied on somebody else who did it, our spouse, for example, and then you lose them, um, at some point you have to pick it back up. Otherwise your world were really. Right. Right. And that's what's scary. And that's, that's what we're talking about. And because I am on this side of it now, it is, it is basically starting your life all over again. And so if you have nothing, how do you do that? Um, when I started out with this uh, writing the manuscript in the very beginning of it, I was going to get um, help from a ghostwriter. So I talked to her for a little bit and um, she thought the first thing she said was how interesting this is because my mother-in-law right now lives in the basement of my home because when her husband passed, she had nothing left. He le- he didn't do anything So she was barely trying to live on a social security check that just wasn't. And I thought, you know, so we, we, we talked for a little bit early on. And then I said, you know what? I don't have time for a ghostwriter. I'm not, so I'm not going to pay one. I'm just going to write what's in my heart. And, uh, and that's what I ended up doing. But it was just the fact that I came in contact with someone at the very front end of writing the book that was experiencing one of the examples that I, that I talk about. And she was like, Oh, this needs to be told. This story needs to be told. And she's right. Cause it's, it, it does. I mean, there's, there's so many different things. And I want to go back to uh, some that you, you kind of mentioned and we can go from there, but uh, you know, like budgeting, a household budget, you know, one of the things that um, if you don't understand that you've really got to pay attention to what, what comes in and what goes out so that you have enough coming in and not more going out. (laughs) Um, And if you don't keep track of that information or understand it, and what's cool is that, you know, if you have one of those all important cell phones, you know, that they have apps that can help you just literally create that budget and, you know, warn you about, uh, Hey, you're, you're about to get in a place you don't want to be. Right. Right. And I'll admit This is a moment of transparency. That's the part of the whole financial literacy and learning that I hate the budget, you know, because you really have to pay attention 
to what goes out. And we'd rather not. We just want to just spend it. Just just call DoorDash every day. Just, you know, just, when I say I want to go to the mall, I don't want to be thinking about I'm limited at how much I can spend. But if you only have a certain amount coming in, you know, and I think if, if it's, it's difficult and I'll admit that if that's not something you've been taught to do, if that's not something you've already um, gotten a mindset for, it is difficult. It's it's a lifestyle change, but it is an improvement, but it is an improvement and it is a way to move forward in a way that will be beneficial. It may take a little time, but it's beneficial. It's such so much so so much so and and it's and it's one of those things where you know you it unfortunately social media makes it seem like everybody has these perfect worlds and so therefore I should too and uh and uh so if they've got the right car or they got the right TV or they got the right house then we you know we put all that money into that and then uh suddenly some of those bills come due oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> and that's and they make it easy for you to get into debt. Very much so. That's, and I think yeah. that's a huge part of uh, understanding budgeting is that, you know, there is a reason why they offer you those credit cards and especially debit cards, you know, and it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's more in their benefit than it is for you, but uh, boy. Can oh, that- absolutely. And they start with the credit cards while you're in, when you're in college. Yes. That's when you get your first credit card. Oh yes. I, I, I don't know what they say now, but I, I remember getting my first two. Um, they were both, you know, a real popular thing in those days was for the, the, the gas station, you know, the, not the station itself, but the gas companies to send out their card to the graduating uh, senior. And it would say things like, uh, um, congratulations on graduating from uh, college and about to join the work world. We want to allow you to be part of our family now, you know, and it's like, and uh, you know, if you weren't careful with those things, especially in college, you, you didn't use them for just gas. You're like, well, you know, they also have these things called potato chips and <laughs> right. stuff like that. And these gas stations and you, you start exactly. piling, piling up the bills on there and we realize I've been buying just nothing but uh, potato exactly. chips and soda, man. <laughs> um so anyway, it's uh, so, such an important discussion right there because if you have not done it before nor have felt the pain of making yourself wait to buy something or, um, or not only wait but to say, yeah, I can't have it. <laughs> uh, right, right. And that's, you know, right. I, I read, I was talking to someone not too long ago and I think uh, they say that a lot of Americans uh, – and this was this way before COVID, so I can only imagine what it's like now, but the uh, um, would struggle if they had to come up with $600 to do a, a um, some emergency fix on their vehicle or on their house or something like that. And um, if it was $600, they would may not be able to come up with it. Any, any thoughts about that when you're talking about this? And- well, sure. The first thing that... Uh, um- that a financial person, a financial counselor is going to suggest if you don't already have it is to start a savings account, start saving for a rainy day, uh, an emergency account, if you will, just put money away for things like that. If you don't, if you save $500 or if you save a thousand dollars, you know, you set the goal. Um, and so if that individual had done that, then they would just be able to take that money and pay for whatever they needed to pay for. Um, what, what can be done is, and you start at whatever level you need to start at. The first thing you don't do is look at what somebody else is doing. Just take care of your, your space what based on what your income is. And when you decide how much money you're going to save weekly, monthly, however you're going to do it, do you continue to save that and just let it build up? And that is your emergency fund account. And I tell you that account was a lifesaver for me and all of the things that I ended up doing after my husband's passing, because when when a spouse passes, and especially when you have a good relationship and you've been married some time, we were just a couple months shy of 39 years. Um, 
So your emotions are all over the place. Now you're going to make some decisions that may not be the smartest decisions. But the thing I knew was when I got ready to do certain things, I knew how much money was over here in this emergency account. And I ended up needing it and having to use it. But the good news is it was there. So now I need to rebuild that account, get it back to where it was. But what I was so proud of is over time, I had built the account to a significant amount of money and I didn't have to ask anybody for anything. Very nice. Very nice. uh, um, To have to teach yourself all of that in a short period of time and the night and to, to have something to start with. Um, right. So powerful. Can, can we kind of sw- switch to something? Because there's something out there that a lot of people, um, they either don't have time for the discussion when they're young or they don't really think about it when they're young. And then you also have to be careful of the people who are trying to sell you something that really doesn't do what it, it says it will do. And what I'm talking about here is evaluating life insurance. Can you make some comments about that? Yeah, um, you do need to shop around, if you will, because there, there, there's whole life, there's term life, and I, I'm not, I don't want to take the time to try to explain too much about either. I don't sell insurance. I just, I sell the idea that you need to be insured. That what's important is. If something happens to your spouse and let's say you had an income of $85,000 a year from that spouse, just throwing a number out there and that spouse is no longer with you. That is $85,000 that is missing from your household budget that you will never see again, at least not from that spouse. So insurance is replacement income. I know we think about of insurance as being a whole lot of other things, you know, so-and-so left me X number of thousand dollars or whatever, hundred thousand dollars. It's really replacement income. It's not money to go splurge with. And so um, I think our understanding of insurance, a lot of people are not interested in getting insurance because they feel like, you know, that's a what if. That's the what if something happens. Well, something will happen. (laughs) You know, it may not happen right away, but at some point it will happen. And so you need to shop around, have conversations with those who are um, the professionals in in the industry of insurance and find out what type of policy works best for you and your household, what kind of premium can you afford to pay? How much um, insurance is absolutely necessary um, so that you're not reaching for a a million dollar policy and you can't afford the premium of a million dollar policy? Do you really need a million dollar policy? You know, what do you need? Do you need riders for your children? So this is why you need to speak to a professional and then you can better decide what type of policy works best um, for you and your family. Excellent advice. And, uh, and like you said, it's, it's not about you needing to be that expert on the different types of it, but them understanding that you need it and you need to become good enough at uh, understanding what's uh, what might be helpful to you to replace that uh, income. So. Right. It, it is. And it's absolutely necessary. It's uh, in, in, in the um, field that I have worked in for so many years and you read it in my bio as an executive pastor and pastor, there are so many parishioners that pass away that do not have insurance. And then, then their family members have the expectation that the church will take care of all of those arrangements. Well, she was a member or he was a member and, but that is not what the purpose of the church is. And so of course we would make contributions. We would certainly contribute, but we had to try to explain to people it's, it's not fair for you when you or your family have not done what you should have done to now come and expect this organization 
to pick up all of the pieces. And so that's my experience in, in the church setting, but I'm sure it happens with other families all the time. You know, everybody just keeps going along like they're going to live forever. Right. Right. And that's the, you know, the, the whole thought that oh, I get taken care of, you know, and it's <laughs> really, you got to spend some time learning from the professionals, learning from the people who can help you and, uh, and do right. that. You know, one of the things I got to mention, because when we talk about evaluating things, I mean, you know, there's stocks and bonds and different ways that you can generate some income, but it takes understanding what it is you're doing. But one of the things that also is out there is, I mean, in recent times is, is the, the whole cryptocurrency world and uh, NFTs. I mean, any, any thoughts about that stuff? Cause I, cause I, I don't understand any of it. I'm just going to be honest with you. When I thought I might get close to understanding crypto, then NFTs came and I'm like, what is that? I mean, it's not even real in my, I, I don't understand it. This is my thinking. So I'm again, I am not uh, a professional in this area. And I'm like, people are trading in an imaginary world. I don't get it. I don't understand it. So I'm, I'm not the, the one to speak on that. Um, I will just say that people should um, consider investing, you know, of course, always, you know, the, the good old fashioned way annuities and stuff like that, you know, are always good. But again, talk to a professional, a financial counselor. It's not that difficult to do and it doesn't always cost you money. It does. They will point you in the right direction. But when it comes to crypto and stuff like that, you would definitely need to speak to somebody who is like at the top of their game where that's concerned. Well, I think it's, it's, all, new. it's yeah, all new. It sure is. And I'm, I'm with you on that. If, if I don't understand it, this is, I, I think what you just said a minute ago is something that they should hear about because it's easy on, once again, if we look at whether it's Instagram or, you know, some, you know, Facebook or, and, and that's old school as far as the you know, young people are concerned or whatever, you know, whatever it is that they're on and they see other people talking about, I made this much money in uh, the crypto world, or I bought this NFT and you should buy it now. And, you know, and it's funny but even though it's, you know, I mean, something that you said, I don't understand it. Therefore, I would stick to the other things that I do understand. And I think that's so important. Just a, that part of that message right there is right. Uh, if you don't understand it, maybe that's not the world for you. <laughs> right. Right. You need to understand it. Know what you're getting yourself into. What are the risks? And are you able to take those risks? Remember, we're starting from the basics, learning to save. You may not have any business over here taking chances with crypto and NFTs yet. You know, you build from where you are and see it, it, when it comes to something like that, I personally believe that you need to have whatever you invest, you need to be able to afford to lose. That is huge. I mean, that's, you know, um, yeah, cause it's, it's almost gotta, it's gotta be like, you don't miss it. It's just, it's just there and it's working right. for you. And as long right. as you're, you're not struggling, you just stop thinking about it. You invested it, let it build and, and, and keep adding to it if you can. And, and, uh, but if you miss it, then there's, <laughs> there's, it, there's a problem there. So. Right. Don't, don't spend your utility bill for that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Exactly. Uh, uh, so, you know, um, Dr. Ellis, I mean, do you think that black women suffer more than other women in ethnic groups when they lose a husband? And if you do, why do you think that? I do. I do. And first I would say just like any other area where disparities are prevalent, whether it's health, income, whatever. Um, so I think it, that, that is, that's going to be pretty much the case with everything and nothing, and this is no different. Um, black women, uh, suffer not only, um, the burden of their own, you know, employment obstacles, which are related to gender and race, but they also, you know, suffer from the lack of economic security 
among black men. So, you know, if you're married to someone that is struggling with economic security, then of course you are going to be impacted. And, and we know that the, the black race is, is not equal or, and it may not just be black. Just people of color are not equal to our counterparts when it comes to income and finances and just the whole um, economic security. And so black women are, are much less likely to uh, even be eligible. And this is what's crazy for social security or uh, of spouse or widow um, benefits, they're they're less likely to even be um, eligible for for those those benefits. And I think it's interesting because if if you're you think about it, if you're married to a spouse that has not had the kind of job that pays into Social Security, and then he passes away what are you applying for? Right. You, there's nothing to apply for. And even if let's say you and, and your spouse have been working and paying into, you know, it's not like you're getting a whole lot of money because you don't get your social security and your spouses. You got to choose. You can choose which one is the most and you only get one. For example, in my situation now, I, you know, I did not choose to apply for Social Security because I plan to be busy and working for a long time and I don't need them telling me I can't make a lot of money. So, <laughs> so, but if I had chosen to, to retire in that sense, I would choose between my Social Security and my husband's Social Security and whichever is the most is the one I can have. Had he not worked as long and hard as he did and paid as much as he paid into the social security system, I wouldn't have that option. And let's say I never worked like many wives don't, or at least never worked where I paid into that social security system. And my husband passes, you know, I'm in trouble. I may be able to get his check, but if it's only a couple thousand dollars a month, how am I supposed to live on that? So I think it, it deals with all of the disparities across the board where uh, uh, economic security is concerned for African-Americans and certainly African-American widows would suffer more than their counterparts. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, it's important information to, to, to think about. And, you know, what, one of the things I've got to ask you is that, so you've helped a lot of people. Um, could you share some of the lessons you learned from helping to transform people and empowering women to take ownership of their lives? I mean, you got a few stories that you want to share? Well, um, one in particular, I try to help, uh, people, um, and and on this topic, this specific topic, last week I interviewed a friend of mine and her husband actually passed the same day my husband passed away. It was it was crazy. But um, a few years ago, I invited her to an event that I was hosting and we were talking about this. The book had not come out yet, but this was my conversation Wives, you got to pay attention. Make sure you do what's necessary. Have the conversation with your husband. It may be a difficult conversation to have, but you got to start somewhere. Went through all of that. And she looked at me and said, I have some work to do. I need to go home and ask some questions. And she shared this with us on the interview last week. And she was a second wife, had been married several years. But when she started to ask the questions, discovered that there were a lot of things that had not been addressed since they were married. The insurance policy, property that he owned, the will, every, everything. And 
when when she said to me, I have some work to do, I thought, you know what? I'm going to follow up with her after she gets home. I'm going to call her. I'm going to make sure she's moving and doing whatever she has to not harass, not get in their business, but just like, hey, what's happening? And I did. And they were able to get things done, get things worked out, make sure her name was where it was supposed to be, you know, where property was concerned, where the insurance was concerned. And I thought to myself, this is one testimony that I am proud of because she responded to my suggestions and the outcome was beneficial for her. Had she not addressed it, she just she would have just faded away as the second wife into whatever because there were adult children involved. And sometimes as much as the blended family can be a blessing, at the time of death and loss, things change, attitudes change. You know, and so that those are the kinds of things you have to be prepared for when you lose a spouse. And so that is one of the examples that I would I would share that she was able to work out everything that needed to be worked out. And for him to leave whatever he wanted to leave it was in writing, not just for her. But even those adult children, it was spelled out so that there would be no confusion about it. No need to go to court. No need to, you know, I didn't have to face any kind of court issues because my name and my husband's names were on everything together. Even our mad money accounts, everything. I had right to survivorship for the house. That was clear. So probate attorney said no need to read a will you got everything that's excellent that's that's not a lot of times how it happens and that's uh no 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 people a lot of times people have to grieve more than once grieve for the loss of the spouse and then when you get home from the funeral thinking you're going to take care of business only to find out oh you have to move out of the house because it's not yours it's a terrible thing. I've watched it too many times. You're so right. This is, uh, you know, and it, just as a note, um, you know, one of the one of the things I've seen a family ripped apart by a set of trains that were from the early 1900s. Whenever they were these were made, they were collectibles that uh, it never, no one had ever specifically said they were for this person or this child should get it or, and cause all of them were adults when this all was being dealt with and it was the trains, nothing else. It was the trains that kind of really ripped apart that family and, or what was left of that family. And it was, it's like, that's, and it, all over the potential that they might make money off of them. That's what it was. Yeah. Which was sad because that's not yeah. why the man kept them. <laughs> he kept them because they were from his childhood. <laughs> But it is sad. It it is sad. And you realize that everybody's grieving. Everybody's hurting. Everybody thinks that they know what the deceased wanted. And it's it's so much easier if everything is prepared (laughs) in writing and there's no argument. They may not like it, but there's no argument. Most definitely, most definitely. That's because uh, it's it's unfortunate that that's when, uh, like you, something you said earlier, um, you were grieving over here, and now suddenly you got a new type of issue that's going to cause some grief um, as you're trying to figure out what to do about something that was not dealt with. So, right, good stuff. Because I mean, a lot of this, I mean, you think about it, what happens? People say, "I'll do it tomorrow," or do I really need to do that today? You know, <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> sooner, sooner or later. So um, thanks for talking about that. So, uh, you know, we're, we're getting close to, to wrapping up Dr. Ellis. And uh, um, is there anything that you want to talk about, about just setting financial goals as a, as a woman? I mean, anything that you want to um, say towards that, the idea of, uh, 
as, as a woman, how to set realistic financial goals for the future? Well, I think the main thing is to think about it, consider it, and then do it. Not Don't get stuck at thinking about it, keeping it in, in your head and saying, I'm going to, I'm going to. Start w- with what you have, where you are, no matter how small or insignificant um, you may think it is. Um, and, and, and I think over time you will see that you um, can reach those goals you know, set, set small goals first for within a a reasonable amount of time and then go for that. But I think, um, always looking for ways to do what you enjoy doing and becoming really good at it and then determining how you can market that and how you can set yourself up for success. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Dr. Ellis, it's been awesome talking with you. And I got a couple more questions to ask you, but before I sure. do that, um, before we close, could, could you let everyone know where they could connect with you? Sure. At sabrinajellis.com. You can go there. That's my website, sabrinajellis.com. Excellent. I'll have that information in the show notes and uh, um, so it'll be easy for them to find you and that'll be cool. So I have the last two questions are just questions I like to ask my guests. And the, and the first one goes like this. How do you keep going when there's so much going on that you'd like to quit? Oh boy. That's the question for this season. Oh my goodness. Um, well, I think what, let's start with what was key for me. I had to stop and realize what was best for me in this season and what I needed to release, what I needed to let go of. Um, In my case, of course, anybody that is um, who becomes a widow or widower, um, I don't have my life's partner. So there's no more us. There's just me. As Grievous as that may be, as hurtful as that may be, as sad as that may be, on the other side of that, I do have an opportunity to start over again. And so what does that look like? Well, starting over again means starting over as just me. It doesn't mean holding on to the past, holding on to everything my husband did um, in, in, you know, claiming to continue his legacy. All of that is great and wonderful. But what I have are the most awesome memories and the most awesome relationship. So I don't have to try to keep him alive in those ways. That's in my heart. So why miss the opportunity to to learn who I am in this season, to build on that and become somebody that I wasn't for 39 years. That is like fun. That's going to be a challenge, but it gives me something to do, something new to do. And so um, in this, in this last six months or so, I've resigned from things. I've walked away from certain things and I was like, I'm not mad at anybody, but I'm doing what's best for me. It's self-care. Sabrina has to take care of Sabrina. And that's what Sabrina's choice is. And so it's about making a choice, understanding who you are, where you're headed, what it is you want to do, what you need to shake loose, and developing new friends and new relationships. Always have good friends. I love that. Love love it, love it. Uh, just, just got me thinking about it. Bunch of stuff there. I, um, <laughs> yeah, Sabrina, I got to ask this question. Uh, do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? And if so, who was it? And what would you say if given a chance to say thank you? It was my sixth grade teacher, Mrs. Morgan. And what's ironic is that I was a PK. So a preacher's kid, for those that don't, may not know what that is, my father was uh, a preacher. There's another irony right there. I talked earlier about him, my parents divorcing. But my sixth grade teacher was married to a pastor. And uh, she was 
one of those teachers that if she knew you had potential, she was not going to allow you to get away with anything. And she was that teacher when she saw me trying to hang out with the wrong group, just kind of pulled me aside and away from the group and said, it's not happening. Not while I'm here. And she actually spent time in my home. She came to our home for dinner. And I just never, ever forgot a teacher that cared that much about me and making sure that I didn't go down the wrong road. And I think her influence in my life um, certainly had an impact um, on a lot of choices and decisions that I made. That is so awesome. Thank you for telling, sharing that. And, uh, and Dr. Ellis, I, I can't thank you. You know, it's been so wonderful talking with you. Uh, thank it, you. you know, your focus on helping women prepare for their future is powerful. Your book, Wife Life, Securing Your Future is filled with practical and needed ideas for helping women understand financial requirements for living the life they want, no matter what has been thrown in their way. Um, wishing the best in all you do. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time to have this conversation. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and host. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.